to say this before I preach because it's on my heart big time. Many of you know I work as a hospital chaplain for the Providence Hospital chain. My boss told me that I was suffering from compassion fatigue. <laughs> Seriously. That's, that's a real thing, okay? It leads to depression and the whole thing. The reason being, right after Christmas, we had, the, had a COVID surge. And during the original COVID surge, it kind of hit older people. But this time, it was hitting between 30, 40, and 50-year-olds, you know, who were out and about working and whatnot. And uh, my job is to be in the room with the doctor when he tells the family that they need to take a family member off the ventilator because there's nothing else they can do. And I'm talking about 30s to 40s, 50s. Now, I don't go in rooms with COVID patients because I'm a senior. And uh, I work on my immune system a lot. And you should work on yours. Because, you know, God tells us to be a spiritual, but also in the natural. And you need to think about taking larger vitamins during just during these winter months of vitamin C. Write it down. Folic acid. Write it down. B12. Write it down. Or just a multiple uh, 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 vitamin that is for the that builds this immune building vitamin. They have those immune builders, especially if you're older. Okay, um, but anyway, I work remotely with COVID patients. All right, and their families. Now, on top of the COVID uh, surge, there's another problem that has emerged that is just as serious. I've watched people get over COVID. A week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, I see the same face in the hospital. This time, they're suffering from lung damage, from cardiac damage, from even kidney disease as a result of having COVID, okay? So you can kind of blow off the mask thing and blow off the... Um, vaccine thing, blow it off if you want to, but um, think about your loved ones. Think about how they're going to suffer if something happens to you, okay? And think about what you might have to go through unnecessarily. Yes, I'm, I'm as spiritual as the rest of you. My husband prays over us every day. Lord, protect us from incidents, accidents, predators, pandemics, sickness, disease, and poverty. Okay, that's our thing every day, okay? So I believe that I'm under God's protection. But do not fool yourself. This pandemic is real. And if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Plagues are going to be with us until God's people repent. Okay? So now that I've ruined your day, okay, I'll try to cheer you up again. But I'm telling you, put a mask on. That little piece of paper can help you avoid a lot of bacteria and viruses that are floating around, okay, for the sake of yourself and for others, because I don't want to see you at one of the hospitals where I work, okay, or your family members.
Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. All right. Okay. Now for the good stuff. All right. Love. Oh, love, love, love. We cannot survive without love. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I know you can't, babe. I know you can't. You would have been dead a long time ago without me loving you. You don't eat. You don't take care of yourself. Yeah, all right. Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that your words will be lifted from the pages of this text. Ride on the wings of the Holy Spirit and find a dwelling place in the heart of every hearer. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. I think I want to start with a quote um, from Martin Luther King. Uh, because if there's anybody that had to really live out loving your enemies and praying for those who disciple you, it was Martin Luther King, was men like Cesar Chavez, and even Billy Graham, okay, had to fight against a lot of people around the world that were anti. Christian, anti-Jesus. But Martin Luther King said, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. Love does two things. Love gives and love forgives. It's a constant cycle of giving and forgiving. Because you think you can give, but you haven't learned how to forgive before you give. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do love. Martin Luther King said, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is also absent from the power to love. If you don't know how to forgive, if you don't know how to forgive, you can't love. I mean, forgiveness is such a big part of love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. He said there's good in the worst of us, evil in the best of us. When we discover this and accept this, we will be prone to hate less and to love more. I think that's a good word, okay? Amen. All right. Amen. So, here's the message. Whether you're young, whether you're old... There are always new love lessons to learn. Oh, yes. To truly understand how love works, we must go to the source of all love. I'm talking about real love, and that is God. And that takes us around to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have ever everlasting life. Did, did we have, did, is there any way you could put that cross up there? No, you couldn't put it up. Okay, well, good. First thing, God. Here's God. Here's the world. God's on your left, the world's on your right. It says that God looked down at the world he created, and it says he loved the world. Okay? Who is the world? You, me, our children, our children's children, our foreparents. God so loved Everything that he created in the world, God loved it. And he loved us, the world, so much that he gave. 
The first thing love does is to give. When I first met my husband, and he talked me into going out with him. <laughs> I said, where are we going? And he says, oh, I got a few things planned for you. He said, first I'm going to drop you off at uh, Burke Williams. And I said, really? He says, yeah, you, you've been traveling. He picked me up in the airport. I was on a long trip, and I hadn't gone out with him before. So he says, I figured you, and it was my birthday. That was the other thing. So I go in, and I have a, he has set up an open tab for me at Burke Williams to get massage, manicure, whatever I needed for my birthday. And I said, whoa, this dude is something else. <laughs> so anyway, about 30 minutes later, I said, okay, I'm done. I called him on his phone. I'm done. And he said, you're done? He said, you have an open tab. Girl, go in there and enjoy yourself. He says, you should have at least a couple hours. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I went back in and got some more things taken care of. Afterwards, he um, took me out to lunch. And he said, I have a, just a small present for you. And he had purchased some white gold earrings with a little diamond chip. And I told him, I said, you know what? I haven't been on a date in a long, long time. And if I don't get to go on another one, this is the one. <laughs> so I decided I'm going to keep him. <laughs> Love gives, okay? And, 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 and what he gave was extravagant. But what God gives, I mean, that's not a drop in the bucket to the extravagance of God's love for us. All that he has given us, that he would give us eyes to see all of the beauty that he has created. That he would give us ears to hear music and tender words. That he would let us smell biscuits in the oven, okay? And taste steak, okay? And chicken and all these senses that he's given us extravagant. He's extravagant. So God so loved us, the world, that he gave extravagantly. And what could be more extravagant than to God to give his only begotten son? Oh, that's that. that, that, that. He, he looks around and he says, well, let me say, I've given them the earth. I've given them fullness. I've given them gold. I've given them diamonds. I've given them cattle. Oh, I've given them streams. I've given them water. I've given them houses. Ah, I want to give them something that they will know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Would you give Charles? Would you give your child? When you give your child and your only begotten, that's love. That's extravagant. So he loved the world in a way that is extravagant. And so what lessons can we learn from the extravagance of God's love? The extravagance of the things that he has forgiven. And I love it over in Ephesians, and this is not in our lesson, but over in Ephesians it says that they might know. But Paul begins to pray. He says that they may know. He says, I, I, above all things, I, I want them to know the width, the length, the height, and the depth of my love. 
And a lot of times we see our loved ones, we see our children going, going, going so far out of pocket. You know, the doctor said they're never going to, their brain is fried on drugs, okay? They're in and out of jail. They're in and out of trouble. God says, let them go because now I'm going to show you how far my love reaches. He says, I want you to know that I can bring that, that my, there is no place that you can go in heaven and hell and earth anywhere where my love can't reach you. He says, that's what I want you to know. The width, the length, the how, how deep you've fallen, how deep you got into trouble, how deep you've gotten into depression, how rich you think you are, only to find that you're empty, that your child committed suicide and you're a millionaire. I don't care how high you go, how low you go, how left, how right. God says, you know what? I want you to go to all those places so that you will know God. The width, the depth, the breadth of my love. So what are the lessons that we learned? Lesson number one. Write this down. You're going to need it for the next fight that you get into. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He gave. Husband, what do we do? Love requires sacrificial giving. I didn't say giving. Oh, I can, I can, I, I'm going to give my boss a pie that he wants. Next week. He said, I just want one little apple pie. I said, okay, I'll have it for you next week. He thinks he's going to pay for it, but I'm not going to pay. Yeah, I can't charge him. I want to give it to him. Okay? I want to give it to him. That's not the point. Love, you must learn sacrificial love. What is love going to cost? Is it going to cost you a kidney? Because you're a match to your sister or your brother or your mate? It's, you have to be prepared in a love relationship to make sacrifices. And as soon as you are in a love relationship, what does a husband do? He goes out, works, sweat, tired, brings that whole check home. Okay? And maybe she'll give him some money back, you know, to get some clean underwear. You know, put some gas in his car so he can go back and work some more. Okay? Be tired, you know. Back hurting, feet hurting, okay? Hates his boss, hates his job, but he got to go. He got to sacrifice and get out there because he has to take care of his family. What does mama do? She goes to work and comes home, okay? And cooks dinner, takes care of kids, fuss at them, threatens to kill them and whatnot, you know, the whole thing. But she's making sacrifices. Do you see that love is a series of sacrifices? And the one who does not love is the one who walks away. Because I don't want to take care of my kids anymore. I don't want to be married anymore. Because you're not willing to make the sacrifice that love calls, requires. That's love. My mother used to always say when we were kids, she and my dad would just get into these terrible arguments, you know, and they'd be fighting, you know, because she, Actually, really seriously, this is no joke. Because she bought a new refrigerator and he told her not to. I promise you. <laughs> okay? And they got in a terrible fight. And she was crying. She says, you just wait until these kids finish school. I'm leaving you. Why didn't she leave right then? Just wait. Just wait till the baby finishes school. You just wait till this. Just wait till that happens. And you're going to see I'm going to leave you. I said, she never, my brother said to my brother, how come she doesn't leave, just leave now? You know? No. Because the, she was committed. 
because she decided that she was going to sacrifice what she wanted for what was needed for the people that she loved. That's why this generation, they can walk away. They can do their own thing and think nothing of it and then become our role models. So-and-so is engaged to so-and-so. Oh, they broke up, now she's back with so-and-so. Oh, they broke up and she just had a fabulous wedding and his children were there and her children were there. Come on, people! What are you doing? What are, your, what are our examples? And we idolize them? We follow after them and think they're the greatest people on earth and they are messing up the whole concept of what love is. Love makes a sacrifice and it begins with you. Not my will, but thy will be done. And when you make a covenant with another person, I even said to my mom, I said, Mom, God is crazy. Why don't you, why don't you divorce him? And you know what she said to me? I wouldn't divorce you, and I've got a lot of good reasons. <laughs> so I just said, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Remember that sewing machine you had me sign for and you never paid for it and I was left with the bill? I didn't divorce you, did I? Love is sacrificial. It requires, if you're not willing to make the sacrifice, don't do it. The first time love is mentioned in the Bible is mentioned in Genesis 22 and 2. God tells Abraham, Abraham, Go and sacrifice the son that you love. Here is a foreshadowing of what is to come in the New Testament, where God is going to sacrifice his son. He says, Abraham, go sacrifice the son, and the word love is meant that you love. So he recognized that there was a deep emotional attachment, love for his son, but what God is saying, do you love me more? Do you, do you love me to the point that you will obey me no matter what I ask? It required obedience as evidence of what love was and what love should be. Lesson number one. Lesson, lesson number two. Here's a good one. Love requires unity. Well, this is one of my husband's favorites. He always quotes, what is it, Psalm 133, I think it is, which says, how good and pleasant it is for brethren, that means family, people connected, to dwell together in unity. Why is it good and pleasant? Because that is where God commands the blessing. When you are in unity as a family, as a couple, you can do anything. But where there is disunity, there will be disfinances, dishealth, okay? It'll be dis-everything, dis-children, right? because, because you're not unified. Unity requires, ah, I love this. John says, in, in the first chapter, first verse, it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and you're talking about Jesus, because Jesus was the Word. And the Word was with God, unity, and the Word was God. They were one. And it says all things were that were made, were made by him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. It's telling us something. Not only did Jesus create all things, but he and the Father were a team working together to create the world. It says in the beginning that, in the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord hovered over the earth. He was making the call for the earth to be created. Jesus did the creative work, and the Holy Spirit gave the power for the creative work to be done. There was unity there. That's why when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, when a sacrifice was needed, Jesus didn't back down because he was co-creator of the universe. He understood why God loved the world because he was a co-creator. He helped create the world. He said, yeah, we got to save this. We put too much work into this. Yeah, I'll go down for you. Unity requires that. Watch this. Not only that you work together that you work as one, but it also requires, look at somebody next to you and say this, that you don't always get your way. Oh, you didn't look at the person next to you and say that. You don't always get your, say it with an attitude. You don't always get your way. (laughs) You need to come to a place of agreement. And when there is unity and where there is a willing to make sacrifices for the relationship, you will say, you'll give up. You'll know what battles to fight, what battles to pick. Amen? Amen. I know y'all are ready to go home. Why did I come to listen to her today? If I had known she was going to be here, I would have stayed home. Well, hello. Don't turn that TV off. Keep listening. Hallelujah. Number three. Love requires, okay, I'm trying not to choke. <clears throat> Obedience and submission. Charles. Be submissive, okay? <laughs> Jesus says this in John 14, 31. You might want to run the line of screen. I love the Father, and I obey everything he commands me. Why does he obey what he commands me? Because he loves him. Love will cause you to say, Okay, have it your way. Just do that again. Look at you. Look at somebody. Okay, have it your way. Okay? And when it falls apart, I won't say anything. <laughs> Love requires obedience. And Jesus loved the Father to the point that he was willing to obey everything that he commanded him. Now, I know in Ephesians, if you read Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, wives, submit to your husband." And it says, husband, love your wives. But then it says, submit to one another. Take your attitude of letting him have the leadership. Take the attitude of loving her so much that you're willing to do what it takes to keep her, to let her know that she's loved and she's protected. By the time you balance those things out, you have literally submitted to one another. And that's what love is. That's what obedience and submission look like. Hallelujah. And when you rebel against God, you will rebel against one another. When you obey and submit to God, then it's easier to obey and submit to one another. Now, I'm not just talking about in relationship. Listen, this is true in work situations. I mean, I have worked around some of the craziest people that I've ever met in my life. And God just kept saying, love them, love them. One, 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 one particular lady, boy, she was such a piece of work. 
that, I mean, just the mention of her name or the first letter of her name, okay, would just make me shake my head at the thought, okay? And God said, I want you to ask her forgiveness for the way you feel about her. And I said, wait a minute, have you noticed how she treats me? She is a racist. She is arrogant. She is this. Oh, I went down the list. He says, uh, ask her to forgive you for the way you feel. And I'll tell you, if you think humbling yourself to forgive somebody who has done you wrong, you think that's right, just try it one time. It's good for the soul. Okay? So I'm walking down the hall with this person that I just, just love. Yes. And uh, I said, you know, E, that's a mission. I said, I think I've been unfair to you. I said, I know I've got the black girl attitude going from time to time. And I know you don't understand it. I know it's hard. I'm just asking you to forgive me. I'd like to clean the slate with you. And if you'll forgive me, I promise you, I will not do the black girl thing on you anymore. I will be kind, I will be caring, I will be loving, and I'll support you in any way I can. And she just laughed. She thought that was so funny and so cute. She said, sure, we can do that. And I'll tell you, when I went to her and asked her to forgive me for the way that I treated her, she began to treat me differently. All the stuff that she used to put on me and say and, you know, and want me to submit to what she wanted and all that kind of stuff. She did it, and I said, yes, what do you want me to do? Because God says, love her. And she began to love me back because I was willing to say I was sorry even and apologize. I'm telling you, apology is powerful. It's a powerful thing. You say, I didn't do nothing wrong. That's the point. My mom used to say, you're the big one. If you're the big person, if you're the stronger person, then you need to bear the infirmities of those who are weaker than you. And even when they're acting crazy or silly or doing whatever, you need to be the big one and say, you know what? I'm sorry if I hurt you. And, and, and I just want us to get along. You need to be willing to do that. It's a good thing to get in the habit of. And I'm going to tell you something else. I'll tell you something else that's very powerful. Have you ever had somebody just go off on you? You are the meanest. I don't like your hair. And, and I hate the way you chew gum and, and you know, and da 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 First thing to do is look for the truth in it. Because even if they're telling you a bunch of things that are not true about you, there's always some truth, something that you can become better at. Just because they had the courage or the craziness to just get it all out of how they feel about you. And then after they just blow their top and say, you know what? You're absolutely right. Will you forgive me? Wait a minute. Do you know how that throws a person off guard? Do you know that they don't know what to do with that? You are forcing them 
into a renewed relationship if you just say, yeah, you're right. My husband has pulled that little trick on me. I said, you know what? You, you keep saying that you're going to paint the side of the house and it's still peeling and you haven't done it and I'm just sick and tired of coming home looking at that. Yeah, you're right. I'll take care of it. Well, wait a minute. You just messed me up. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. He's good at that. Find of all, find, finally, did I do number three? Okay, so this is four. I'm almost done. Love requires relationship and intimacy. I should have put intimacy there. John 17, 26, and you should read that whole chapter of John when you get a chance during your devotional time. Jesus said this when he came into the world, and he's, he's in the world, he's getting ready to be offered up on Calvary's cross, and he prays this prayer in John 17, and this is what he says to the Father. Lord, I've done my work. I made known your name to them. That the love which you, the Father, have loved me may be in them and I in them. Is that up there? I have made known, I have made known to, to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Wow. That's some deep, intimate stuff. He says, the love, this is, this is the heavy part that, the love that, that you've loved me with, the love, you, line two, three, four, the, the love you have for, for me may be in them. What kind of love did he have for Jesus? Well, that's kind of strange. Because it says, so God so loved the world, he gave his son. You, you love me, but you sacrificed me? He says, that's the kind of love I want in them. There should be somebody in your life that you're willing to die for. Y'all didn't get that one, did you? There should be somebody in your life that you're willing to take a bullet for. No doubt in my mind, that man right there would take a bullet for me. And I hate to tell y'all this, but I got a little granddaughter named Grace. She's getting, she's under my protection. I will take a bullet for her any day, in the, and I'll take a bullet for him. I'll take a bullet for any of my kids. Because that's the kind of love I have for them. Would you die for your kids? Sure you would. He says, that's the love I want you to have. The love that, the, that I and the Father shared, that he would, I would die because that's what he needed me to do. I would sacrifice my life. And we need to be willing to sacrifice, to have someone in your life that you're willing to lay your life down for. That's the deep part of love. That's the real part of love. Would you lay your life down for Marianne? Would you lay your life down for Charles? Of course you would. Because that's what real love does. Those roots go deep. And if you can walk away, if you can let your children suffer and don't care what happens to them, if you can just leave your wife 
on her sick bed. Not even care if she has a drink of water. You got some growing up to do. You've got some growing up to do. I'm closing with this. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to this. I want you to turn to John 21, because I'm going to turn to it also. John, the 21st chapter. Peter has blown the mission. He has betrayed God. Oh, wow. He's feeling guilt. He's feeling shame. And yet, Jesus predicted that it would go the way that it went. But now, he has called for his disciples after his resurrection, but he has not yet ascended, but he's resurrected and he's still in the world. He calls his disciples together. He says, I want you to meet me in a certain place. He said, and Peter. Because he knew that Peter would be ashamed to come because he betrayed him. He says, All you he says come meet me and tell Peter I want him to be there too. And so the dialogue between he and Peter began in John 27, starting at verse 15. No, I want to start at 15. And when that John 21, verse 15. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And they continued walking along, and probably some silence in between. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Peter stops in his tracks, turns and looks at him, and he answers, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. I know I blew it, but you know I love you. They walk along a little further, and Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter's frustrated now. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You must know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. What is that conversation about? It's about Peter's definition of love versus the definition that Jesus was talking about. And so we cozy up with somebody that we meet somewhere, have a few dates, get real close, decide that this is the one, right? And he says to her, I apple you, honey. And she says, oh, really? I orange you, too. He says, yes, I just apple you with all my heart. And she says, and I orange you with all my mind. What's the problem here? Somebody tell me what the problem here. They're talking about two different things. And when someone says, I love you, you better know what they mean. You better know that they know what they're talking about because words are cheap. You, you better ask God to show you your heart. Show the heart. 
The Bible says to test every spirit, to see if it is of God. For you will know them, for you will know them by, you will know them by, what does that mean? Well, if you meet a man and he don't treat his mama good, Uh, if you meet a man and he treats his mama too good, you hear what I'm saying? Try the spirit, buy the spirit, see if it's okay. If, if you meet a man and he has kids and he hasn't seen them in the last three years, run. If you meet somebody and they got babies by him, her, she, and them, I'm not saying people can't repent and people can't get better. You know, one of the best people I ever met had a prison record, but he was a good guy. It took him a while to get there. But we weren't talking the day he got out of jail. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I'm, he didn't go to jail. I don't mean that. No, not him. Do you hear what I'm trying to tell you? That people will talk about love. I counseled a couple, and she was with a husband that just beat her bad. And he, she was on the floor where he had kicked her and knocked her down. And he said, I love you so much. Why do you make me do these things? See? And you know I'm not talking strange. You guys know these crazy stories that are out here. So... Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Peter was saying something different. Kaleo. Yeah, I'm a, you're a good friend. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Kaleo. We're good friends. He said, no, that's not the sacrificial love that I'm talking about. He said, but there's going to come a time Peter, when you're going to understand the sacrifice that love requires. You can make your generation the model that your children and your children's children can pattern. You can leave a legacy of love just how you treat your nieces and nephews. Just how you treat your sons and daughters. Let them watch how you treat each other. How you speak to each other. How you respect each other. How you respect each other. How you, how you show respect. How you show respect. How the things that the enemy is trying to tell you to say in your head, you zip it. Out of respect. I'm done. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the love that the Father had for the Son and the Son had the Father, that that love would be in us. Teach us how to practice love by forgiving, by submitting, by being in unity, by even recognizing what is and is not love. Let us leave a legacy of love for the generations that follow us to pattern themselves after. In Jesus' name, amen.